Here we are, folks. We've made it all the way to Thursday, and we have tons to talk about. As always, here on The Ben Shapiro Show, we will be getting to Saturday Night Live, the attempts to kick Donald Trump off of Saturday Night Live. We will also be getting to Quentin Tarantino. And, of course, we'd be remiss if we didn't talk about cursing children. All that and more here on The Ben Shapiro Show. Stop. Tend to demonize people who don't care about your feelings. Okay, so one thing that's so delightful about folks on the left is their constant need to base their belief system on the thoughts of small children. Not just because they have the, the thoughts of small children on a regular basis and they, they use the, their sort of adult bodies to cover up the fact that their ideas are those of small children, but also because they think it's cute to exploit small children. They really do. There's like some, something in the leftist mentality that sees kids as not creatures to be protected, their innocence to be shielded, but kids are, are the next wave because, after all, they're the ones who have been less shaped by the social setting in which they live. They're, they're sort of Rousseau's innocence, wandering around in the world and teaching us all what it's like to be a perfect human being without sin, blemish, or societal imprint. And what's amazing about all of this is, of course, if you've ever had a kid, I have a near two-year-old right now, I have three younger sisters, if you've ever dealt with kids, kids are some of, legitimately, the worst people on the planet. Kids are the worst people, on, and not to say they're not innocent. There's a difference between innocent, difference between innocent and good. There's a big difference between innocent and good. Kids are innocent, but kids are not good. In fact, sociological studies suggest that the time in your life, in anybody's life, when they are most violent, most apt to do somebody harm, is at the age of two. Right? This is why they call them the terrible twos. Sociologists basically say that if your kids were capable of wielding guns when they were two, then all human life would be extinguished <laughs> because kids who are two years old. They have no concept of, of the other. They have no concept of anything beyond themselves. They're just selfish, and they're, they're creatures of the moment and creatures of, of whatever they want at that time. But the left thinks that this is representative of the best in humanity. At the same time, the left believes they don't have innocence that's worth protecting. Kids have no innocence worth protecting. The kids should be exposed to everything. They should make their own choices. There's a video online several weeks ago in which there was a father, and he had a young son, and he had this young son, and this young son wanted maybe two years old, three years old, and he wanted to buy a Barbie doll. And this obnoxious father goes out and he buys the kid the Barbie doll, which is not that big a deal. But then he makes a video and posts it online talking about how my son may be gay, but that's not in my control. My son may... Your kid wants to buy a Barbie doll, so you think that your, your kid wants to have sex with dudes? Like, the kid's two. Can you, can you just hold on there one second? Do you have any sense of proportion whatsoever? In any case, the left loves to exploit kids. The latest iteration of the left exploiting children is this new video that's been brought out by some Latino activists against Donald Trump. And as you'll see, the, the, the nature of, of evil, and I really do believe it's evil, the nature of evil is to mix up things that are good and things that are bad into one kind of ball, mix them together so that they're all, they're all one. It's like taking Play-Doh and you mix it together until it's all just some giant brown gook. That's, that, that, that's what the left does with good and with evil. And you see that with, for example, their, their sort of emphasis in, in horror movies, for example, on the relationship between sex and violence, that sex and violence are all mixed up together until violence is sexy and sex is violent. And it's, and it's really gross and terrible because that's, of course, not right. Violence is bad. Sex in the proper context is very good. Well, they do the same thing with kids. So there's something wonderful and, and decent for the left in taking the innocence of children and mixing it up with pure vulgarity that you usually only see among adults. Here is the video of a bunch of kids cursing at Donald Trump. Donald Trump screaming, get out of my country. Republicans use offensive words. So here's a few of our own. You racist. 
say Mexican immigrant. Are rapists, murderers, and drug dealers. You know it's racist calls for words like Spicks, wetbags, and be nurse. And you have attacked people. For speaking Mexican in this nation. Um, it's Spanish, idiota. Maybe a little less hairspray and more education. Millions of working Latinos would be deported. If you get your loco way, pendejo, if you're in the White House for America, it would be nothing but bad hair days. Yo, Trump, you may be high in the polls. Thanks to painted racist suckers, but you're all going to have to come from me. If you try to deport my abuelita, mother you see, the Constitution okay, makes so this is obviously classy material. Uh, all these, all these kids who are who are just spouting absolute you know, vulgarity. I mean, this is the height of vulgarity. You've got how old is this kid? Maybe this this little obnoxious dwarf. How old is this kid? This kid's this kid's probably what eight years old, maybe. Yeah. Looks like the kid's about eight. Um, and the kid's using mf'er and fu Donald Trump, and it's just. So the question isn't why these kids do it, because the kids don't know any better. I mean, they're, they're eight years old, right? The kids are saying what their parents have told them to say. I mean, this kid's clearly reading lines. And when I do the show, I'm not reading off of anything, because we do have a teleprompter, but I'm not using it right now, which is why you can sort of see me thinking as the show continues. This kid is obviously reading off of placards or off of a teleprompter, right? I mean, you, I can tell, you can tell, anyone can tell. It looks scripted because it is scripted, and that's why... When the kid is doing the wide eyes and the big hand motion, that's because the kid's not really just saying what the kid is saying. The kid is reading off of something that has been scripted for the kid, scripted by an adult, right? Scripted by an adult for a kid to say. And the idea here is twofold. One is that kids are all wise, all knowing. Kids are the, the standard of the future. Well, folks, if, if kids are the ones who are supposed to take our cues from, then I can promise you, as I said yesterday, if the, if the world, this is the beauty of a world that God created. Kids are great. Women are great. Men are great. They're all great when they're in the world together. Okay, a world of all men would devolve into sex, violence, and utter annihilation in three days. A world of all children would be Lord of the Flies, right? A world of all kids would immediately turn into kids killing each other and exploiting each other and brutalizing each other because that's what kids do. And a world of all women would have its own separate set of issues. So, the, But, but what, what the left does here is they, they, they try to suggest that children know the way. Children know the way. And, and you, you hear this also with regard to college students. The left is constantly citing college students. Well, the young, they know. The young have the enthusiasm of youth. They haven't been told what it is that they cannot do. Right, they haven't been told. They haven't learned what it is they can't do. Well, that's not a mark of wisdom. Typically, that's just a mark of stupidity. Sometimes that's a good thing. Sometimes you want people who don't know what they don't know, and so they go out and they do great things. But as a general rule for society... A society ruled by 18-year-olds ends up in the Russian Revolution. A society ruled by 60-year-olds tends to end up in the American Revolution. There, there is a difference in terms of age, and that's certainly true when you're talking about kids. Forget even college students. This, this notion that kids are the, are the final authorities is, is an amazing one. And then the idea that the, the, there's another idea that's competing here from the left, which is we care about children. How much do we care about children? We care about children so much that we'll put them in our videos and we'll allow them to speak their minds. Now, of course, they're not speaking their minds. They're speaking the script writer's mind. But that doesn't matter, right? That doesn't matter. They're speaking their minds because we care this much about kids. By the way, reverse, you know, rewind this kid's life about nine years. The kid's in the womb, and the left is perfectly happy to kill him. But now that he's out of the womb and he's eight years old, he can talk extensively and curse at Donald Trump. I'm not even getting into the content of this, much of which is unbelievably stupid. You know, they, how dare you call us anchor babies? 
Okay, the definition of an anchor baby is your parents are illegal immigrants, you have a kid born in the United States, the kid is an anchor for the parents' naturalization. It's not an insult directed at the baby. It's, it's actually a policy prescription directed at the parents. Right? What makes the kid an anchor is that it's an anchor for the family. You know, only the left really considers the kids to be anchors, right? Only the left considers children to actually be full-fledged anchors, not in, in, in the sense of immigration, but full-fledged anchors in the sense that they ruin your life. The left actually considers people, uh, small human beings, to be anchors weighing you down, destroying your life. Gloria Steinem, the abortion advocate, yesterday she came out and she said she had an abortion when she was young, and she says she's super happy she had the abortion because it allowed her to live her life. Right, but you also killed the baby, you ghoul. Right? Barack Obama had the same perspective. You remember back during 2008, he talked about his daughters, and he said, I wouldn't, if they had sex and they got pregnant, I wouldn't want them to be punished with a baby. Right? The left considers babies a punishment. So when we talk about the language of anchor babies, it's the left that considers all babies to be anchors. Babies are anchors. You can't take them to parties. They don't drink. Right? I mean, there's all sorts of problems with babies, and that means that you can't have your fun. But for the left, children are always to be exploited. They are always to be exploited, which is why... In states like California, where I live, in states like California, the left constantly says, we have to do this for the children, right? And this is always something that's totally unrelated to the children because kids are just tools to be used. So here, the kids are tools to be used to curse. And also, the, again, there's, an, there's a generalized attack on innocence that the left wants to promote. Anything that remotely resembles childhood innocence has to be completely overthrown. Right? It's important that, that kids be vulgar. It's cute when kids are vulgar. It's delightful when kids are vulgar. And it's not restricted to this video. Feminists did the same thing. They cut a YouTube video a few months back that was very similar in tone and content, a bunch of girls cursing about how tough women have it in the United States. If, if, if these girls actually believe that women have it that tough in the United States, that they can say this sort of thing on YouTube and be famous and be on TV, they should try doing this for one single solitary second in Iran. Okay, it would not go well. But here are these little girls who are being trotted out in front of the camera to do exactly the same thing. And again, follow the trend. The left using children to promote vulgarity and in the process, watering down vulgarity and also watering down innocence. So this is another ad that came out a few months ago from feminists. So it's not just Latino activist groups. Pretty. <gasps> pretty. Pretty. What the f I'm not some pretty f***ing helpless princess in distress. I'm pretty ready for success. So what is more offensive? A little girl saying f or the f***ing on equal and sexist way. Society treats girls and women. It's our future. So listen up, grown-ups. Here's some words more f***ed up than the word pay inequality. Women are paid 23% less than men for the exact same Work. Okay, and women so we can pause this. I mean, this is just, it's disgusting and it's absurd. And believe it or not, the word, the, the F word, which is very satisfying to say and would be satisfying for me to say right now about all of this, the, the, the F word actually is a worse word than pay inequality because the words pay and inequality have actual definitions, whereas young girls just shouting the F word at the top of their lungs in obnoxious fashion because their parents are stage parents who are desperate to get their kids in front of a camera. These are... I, I'm safe in saying that the parents who put their kids on camera here are terrible parents. Okay, you're a terrible parent if you take your kid and you exploit your kid on camera by having your kid say the F word on behalf of your political ideology. It makes you a jerk. Okay, the parents have, have basically just, I can't imagine having parents like this. Thank God I didn't. Thank God I'm not a parent like this. It's just, it's, it's awful in virtually every way. By the way, 
don't want to get, bother getting too deeply into the idiocy of the actual content of this video because it's idiotic in every way. It's not true that women are paid 70 cents, 77 cents on the dollar for every dollar a man earns. It's not true by any statistical measure. It's absolute nonsense. And when girls say, we're pretty effing powerful, actually, no, you're, you're a seven-year-old girl. You're not, right? You're so not effing powerful that your parents just stacked you in front of a camera so that they could stack your trust fund, which you won't be able to access for another 11 years, ladies. So let's, let's calm it down there. But this goes to show you that for the left, everything is a tool for exploitation, including children, including children. If they have to use kids to go after Donald Trump, they'll use kids to go after Donald Trump. If they have to use kids to talk feminism, they'll use kids to talk feminism. And they, have to, they take a perverse glee, the left, a perverse glee in taking the, the filth and excretion of Western society and just wiping it across children. Because children, after all, are, they're, they're both tools uh, and, and, they are also, and they are also empowered beings from whom we should learn. Uh, none of this is true. Children are not tools. Children are to be guarded and protected. And uh, the, same, the same folks who are saying that these girls are super powerful, the same feminists who are saying these, these little girls are supremely powerful, are saying that these girls are not powerful enough to stop feminists and leftists from putting a young boy in their locker rooms so that these girls have to look at male genitalia. It's, it is incredible. But th this is the left's take on children. Children are not useful to the left. They're not. Children are actually bad for the left. They're only useful if the left can, can treat them as, as tiny little Jane Fondas or, or tiny, little, tiny little emissaries of the wild left. It's, it's, it's particularly absurd in, in these cases. Now, meanwhile, the left's emphasis on, on taking control of, of the entertainment medium continues. You, you, can, you can see the hatred for Donald Trump on the part of many of these activists. A lot of these activists are now calling for Donald Trump not to be able to be on Saturday Night Live. Loretta Sanchez who is running for Senate in the state of California right now. She's going to get clocked by Kamala Harris, another Democrat in the state of California. Loretta Sanchez is a congresswoman, most famous for recently for, uh, for actually getting caught on tape making fun of Native Americans by, by going, whoa, 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 you can find the tape. It's pretty ridiculous. Loretta Sanchez, she says that Trump is offensive. So she makes fun of Native Americans by, by dropping the old stereotypical peace pipe routine. And, uh, but she says that, that Saturday Night Live should actually ban Trump and she thinks the government should step in to ban Trump. Here's Loretta Sanchez, that intellectual heavyweight, on why the country just can't take any more of Trump. SNL has uh, had plenty of presidential candidates on before. The problem is that they're allowing Donald Trump the entire time. They're asking him to, he's going to host this. And that hasn't happened in the past by presidential candidate. And we believe that it's an affront to Latinos in particular, Mexicans and Mexican-Americans, uh, my parents, um, in particular because of all of the negative things that Donald Trump has said about us. But, but doesn't Saturday Night Live Congresswoman have a right to book, whether it's one little sketch and Hillary Clinton making a cameo or Donald Trump for the entire hour and a half, you know, have a right to book Donald Trump just as you certainly have a right to speak up and not tune in? Well, in the same way that I believe in free speech and the First Amendment, you're correct from that standpoint, except for you're not allowed to go into an auditorium and yell fire, fire, fire. And in the same way, I believe it's up to SNL to understand that when they put a Donald Trump in front of people and he says these type of derogatory comments, that has a direct relationship to what is happening out in everyday lives of Latinos.
okay, what she just said is so legally insane. It's, it's almost unworthy of comment, but since that's what we do professionally here, we'll comment on it. Uh, the fact that she says right there that Donald Trump's language is shouting fire in a crowded theater. The only people who, who, who ever use the fire in a crowded theater analogy are people who are full on legally illiterate. Okay, the fire in a crowded theater analogy, it, it comes from an opinion, it's actually a minority opinion by Justice Oliver Wendell Holmes, in which he suggested that it is not protected by the First Amendment if you were to get up in a theater and shout fire because that would generate violence and people running over each other and killing each other. If she's actually saying that Donald Trump making jokes on SNL is equivalent to Donald Trump getting up and basically inciting violence, and that that should be illegal. This is where the left wants to go. And the reason that I want to discuss this for just a minute is because the left has this very kind of rosy view of who they are, this, this deeply rosy view of who they are, right? They, they are, they are, their view is born in innocence, just like what the, it's born in innocence, just like with these children. Uh, and, and then it is, it is, it is swept through with, with enthusiasm. And yet they also believe that they're wildly open-minded. So you have Loretta Sanchez here saying Donald Trump should not be on a comedy show, a comedy show that virtually every presidential candidate appears on. But Donald Trump shouldn't appear on it because that's a violation of the First Amendment, basically. It's not covered by the First Amendment for Donald Trump to make jokes on Saturday Night Live, right? That's not covered by the First Amendment. But then you have people on the left who have this rosy view of themselves. Paul Krugman, who for some unknown reason has won a Pulitzer Prize uh, you may have, did he win a Nobel? I think he won a Nobel Prize in economics, Paul Krugman, which is just, which demonstrates that the Nobel Prize in economics is just the same as the Nobel Peace Prize, namely, they come straight from the anus of a horse. I mean, it's just absolute worthless garbage. Paul Krugman said in an interview yesterday, at the, the same time that Loretta Sanchez was saying that Donald Trump should be banned from national television because he disagrees with her on immigration, Paul Krugman was going on national television explaining that if you're a leftist, you're really a leftist because you're open to other views. Because you're open to other, here's Paul Krugman. People like me are aware of what's on Fox News. I have a suspicion that the people on MS, uh, you know, who, who are Fox News watchers have no idea what's on MSNBC. And, and we see that in lots of things. I mean, if I, one of the kind of things we do in, in my professional circuits is we say that uh, a liberal economist can imitate a conservative economist, can pretend, can, can you know, what, what would one of those guys say? The reverse is not true. So there is a, a, a level of openness to at least acknowledging that there are other viewpoints, not agreeing with them, but understanding them, that is not symmetric. Okay, this is sure not. We, we know he's smart, by the way, because he has a beard. That's the way it works on the left. If you have a beard, that means you're smart on the left. Okay, it's absolute, it, it's horse pucky when he says that, that conservatives don't know liberalism, but liberals know conservatism. In fact, there have been several polls that show precisely the opposite. If you're on the left, you are completely ensconced in your own worldview, so much so that you never, ever encounter anybody from the right, which is why you will never see people on the right use children the way that the left used children at the beginning of this podcast. You won't see that. The right doesn't do it. Why? Because the right knows that, that folks on the left, they may have evil worldviews, but they're not evil people. And, and we're not going to abuse our own children in order to achieve the destruction of the other side. The left believes that what they, what they do is cute and wonderful because they've never met anybody on the other side. Loretta Sanchez legitimately is, is saying that the federal government should basically ban Donald Trump from going on TV. And at the same time, Paul Krugman is saying, no, we understand the right. Now, this is the, this is the fundamental disconnect in the country. The left does not understand the right, has no tolerance for the right, and believes that the right is a bunch of MFers, as these kids are saying. More leftists are represented by these children than by the view of leftism espoused by Paul Krugman right there. More leftists 
shout and scream at conservatives in the manner of these kids in their own heads than say that then then do what Paul Krugman is suggesting they do understand the other side and try to come up with some sort of considered response the left has no such no such ideas and because they're so in this bubble because they're so in this echo chamber they're they're completely incapable of getting out of the echo chamber and they have to they have to more deeply wrap themselves like in a, it's it's a political snuggie they wrap themselves in this echo chamber and it makes them comfortable and one of the people who, who's been made very comfortable by all of this is of course Quentin Tarantino and we talked about Quentin Tarantino a little bit yesterday. Quentin Tarantino, the director of The Hateful Eight and, and Inglorious Bastards and, and various other overrated films that always get critical plaudits, but really are just a series of mashed up decent scenes with, with trash. Quentin Tarantino said that, that cops are murderers in front of a Black Lives Matter protest. Well, people called on him to apologize. And last night, Tarantino, he was looking for an outlet, right? So what did he do? Did he go to Fox News to, you know, see the other side and debate the other side? Did he... Go and talk to anybody at the Wall Street Journal to see the other side and debate the other side. No. He went over to exactly the guy that Paul Krugman was just talking to. He went to Chris Hayes over at MSNBC. And there, speaking with Chris Hayes, he spelled out his entire leftist worldview about the police. And again, he did this because he is so insular, he's so ensconced, that it's totally, it's totally fine to, to never have to explain yourself. Here's Quentin Tarantino pretending to explain himself, but really just attacking his critics uh, last night on MSNBC. And they got in touch with me because I had made statements in some uh, interviews, you know, along the way that it suggested that I'm on their side when it comes to this issue of, um, you know, ultimately what I feel is a, a problem of uh, white supremacy in this country. Okay, so first of all, what he's saying is the Black Lives Matter movement reached out to him because he was on their side, okay? The real reason that Quentin Tarantino moved to this side, politically speaking, the real reason he did this is because he got bashed after Django Unchained for using the N-word so many times in the movie. Because people suggested that Django Unchained is a racist movie because the left is so unhinged that a movie about a former slave killing his, his captors and freeing other slaves was, was a racist movie in the view of folks on the left. So he decided he was gonna cater more to, to the Black Lives Matter crowd. And then he drops that line that only works if you're in that echo chamber where he says that police brutality is a problem of white supremacy, right? These are lines that only work among the uninformed and the people who live inside this little Hollywood echo chamber, the same Hollywood echo chamber that says that it's super cute to have kids cursing about politics. And by the way, it's, it, it is a, I keep going back to the kids cursing because it really is insulting to me as, as, as a father of a 21-month-old. I can tell you that my wife and I, we are, we've been known in the privacy of our own home to drop curse words every so often. And by every so often, I mean on a not infrequent basis. And my wife, is a, a, who, who never cursed before she met me and then I corrupted her, my, my wife, the other day, she was, she was working in the kitchen and she, she dropped something on her foot and she said, oh, blank. And the blank was the S word. And the baby immediately looks up at her and she goes, oh, blank, right? And she starts copying her. And at that point, we decide, okay, we can't curse in the house anymore, specifically because it is not a worthwhile endeavor to train your children to curse and be vulgar. It's just, it's, it's, a, it's, it's stupid, it, it makes your kids stupid, and it engages them in a culture that is, that is problematic. For the left, it's cute when kids do this. For the left, it's cute when kids, it's so cute that we should brag about it. There was a video that Will Ferrell did with his own daughter. It's got a bajillion YouTube views in which Will Ferrell is, has a full conversation with his daughter who's just cursing at him, and she's like two years old. And this is just endlessly, endlessly cute. Now, there's something transgressive about humor that makes it funny. 
for about 30 seconds, but then it continues for another five minutes. It's like a Monty Python sketch. The first 30 seconds is awesome, and then it continues until you die of old age. This is, this is how the left, but, but for the left, it's, it's so cute and so wonderful when kids curse that it's just wonderful in and of itself. Well, t- Quentin Tarantino is a kid who is cursing. He is a kid, that, that's what his movies are. He is a child. Quentin Tarantino, I mean, you look at him. He's an overgrown child. That's all he is. He's an immature, overgrown child who makes video game movies and who spouts basically what are the leftist equivalents of curse words like white supremacy. I would love to hear Quentin Tarantino define white supremacy. And how is he not a part of it? Quentin Tarantino, very rich, white man, exploiting black people for money. How is he not a part of it? Yeah, I'd like to hear him explain that one. There are all of these... Curse words are not just... And that, that, that feminist video has something to say about cursing, right? They say that the, the F word is not as bad as pay inequality. For the left, this is true. The real vulgarity for the left, the real vulgarity for the left is disagreeing with them. If you disagree with the left, you are the curse word. You're worse than the curse word. The curse word is just a word after all. But if you disagree with them, then you have broken their vision of utopia and you must be destroyed. And so Quentin Tarantino is throwing out slurs like white supremacist and anybody who disagrees with him when the fact of the matter is that what, what actual white supremacists did, what actual white supremacy was in parts of the black community for, for most of American history until the civil rights movement, white supremacy was very much focused on the idea that the police should never, should never get involved in black-on-black crime, which is why the black-on-black crime rates were always exponentially higher than the white-on-white crime rates. You know, Quentin Tarantino wants to act like the cops are out there to get black people. Well, if the cops were out there to get black people, they would be doing a hell of a lot better job of it. They're not out there to get black people. They're out there to protect black people. And that's certainly true of the black cops in places like Baltimore, where more than half the police force is black. But Quentin Tarantino says it's a problem of white supremacy, again, because he lives in this world where it's cute when kids curse about Republicans, and it's delightful when Loretta Sanchez says Donald Trump should be shut up by the government, and all cops are murderers. And this is, this is the, and it's infused every part of American life. It's not just true of politics. It crosses over into the entertainment field, as you see from Tarantino. It's crossing over into sports now. It's crossing over into sports. Just yesterday on ESPN, there are a couple of hosts who accused the, the, the football coach of Notre Dame of racism. Why? Because he shoved another coach. So the, the hosts of ESPN Sports Nation, they accused the, the football coach's name is Brian Kelly. They accused him of racism after he shoved a black assistant coach during their Halloween game against Temple. He said that he shoved the coach toward the sidelines because he was yelling at the ref. But Marcellus Wiley, who also happens to be a host on, on 710 ESPN out here in Los Angeles, and he's the other half of the most obnoxious show on radio, which is, which is the, the Max and Marcellus show, which is legitimately the worst show in the history of radio. It's if, if ever you tune into it, turn it off before your car bursts into flames, spontaneously combust from the horror of that show. Between, between Max and Marcellus, the intelligence level actually enters into negative space. Marcellus Wiley was on ESPN, and everything is racist. Everything is racist, because inside this little bubble, everything is racist. So here's Marcellus Wiley explaining that even in the context of a basic sporting event, white supremacy reigns supreme. You know, I don't like to play the race car, but I'm going to go here on this one. I feel one. like you can here. When you see a black coach getting emasculated, basically, undermined on the sidelines, when he's a coach with authority over those players, they're going to say, huh, there are very few images and likenesses of a black player with a position of authority on the coaching staff. Very few. And when you see one treated like that, your imagination starts to take over and say, Brian Kelly, we tried to respect all of you guys on a level playing field, despite the fact that most of us on the field are black, but then most of you on the sidelines are white. 
But when you undermine one of the few figures that we could actually see in likeness, right. now that speaks volumes to those players towards a negative place. Plus, that guy's young. Like that, so he looks like a contemporary yeah. versus an authority figure. So it's almost like, well, yeah, he's closer to Yeah, and then you us. could burn the bridge. But Ryan Kelly is as a coach and those players on the field. He looks like a younger coach, uh, a liaison, right. as you want to say, a bridge between the two. And if you're going to show us that there's a divide between what you think of us or what you think of a black coach, because I guarantee you, if he thought that coach was of his equal, he would he not go out there with the one on show. I like that point. I think it's right. In other words, it's Shocker. a bigger deal than if it was a white coach or a white subordinate and he did it as, or, or someone his own age and a white right. I, I get that. Though, so so age. Doing it. Right? I, I understand, but age and race does make it look worse. And so, but, but what's underneath all of that is, on the one hand, the reaction that, like, wait, are we post-racial? Which obviously we're not, but are, is everybody the same or not? Um, but no, the answer is no. You know, our, our country's history and everything does play into something like this. What I love about this particular show is the ideological diversity displayed by the various hosts. It, it is wonderful to hear them really, you know, battle it out over, over the key issues of the day. That is Max talking at the end there. So if you can imagine three hours of, of Max talking with Marcellus, that is their show on 710 ESPN. And it, it makes you want to hang yourself. I mean, it's like the scene from Airplane where, where the main character is sitting there telling his, the story of his life and they cut back to him and all you see is the swinging feet of the old woman who's sitting next to him. That's basically what their show is like. It's, it, this is the bubble. This is the echo chamber that they've created for themselves where cursing kids are wonderful and everything is racist. And it's racist when a coach pushes another coach, which happens on a fairly routine basis, but this coach happens to be a white guy who pushed a black guy, and therefore, it's racism. And then we wonder why there's a disconnect in American politics. Then we wonder why it is we can't have a rational conversation. Maybe the reason we can't have a rational conversation is because every time we start to have a rational conversation, somebody either calls us an MFR, maybe a child that's been trained by their parents from youth to think that anyone who disagrees is an MFR, or maybe we get called a racist, or maybe we get, or maybe maybe it's suggested that our political point of view means that we're outside the boundaries of the First Amendment. This is the battle for the soul of the country right now. It's not even a battle between left and right, although that is a key battle for the soul of our country. The battle, the real battle for the soul of our country is: can we even have political conversations anymore? Is it even possible for us to talk together? Because when one side is saying that the other side is so evil that children should be spitting on them and cursing them, and the other side is saying. Can we have a conversation about this? There is no conversation to be had. And that's what's truly sad about all of this. And it really is. It really is very sad. And, and you can see it all the way up to the presidential race. Bernie Sanders, for example, right? the Koch brothers, who are very rich brothers. They're libertarian. They're not even socially conservative. The Koch brothers give a lot of money to, to various causes. Bernie Sanders, presidential candidate, he was on MSNBC, and he was asked about the Koch brothers, who are, of course, the big leftist bugaboo. And here's Bernie Sanders, a presidential candidate, saying the Koch brothers are, are evil. They're evil. You know, in 1980, Chris, and, and we don't talk about this enough, um, David Koch ran for vice president of the United States on the Libertarian Party ticket. Uh, what his agenda was, it was not to cut Social Security or Medicare, but to end Social Security, end Medicare, end Medicaid, end the EPA, end the concept of the Environmental Protection Agency. Basically, he wanted to eliminate virtually every program developed since FDR designed to help working people and the middle class. That is their agenda. And to tell you the truth, you know, 30 years have come and gone, I don't think that agenda has changed at all. What these guys are doing is spending unbelievable sums of money 
some $900 million in this campaign cycle to support right-wing candidates who are going to war big time against working families and the middle class. No, I do not think the Koch brothers want to make life better for ordinary people. No, I don't think that the Koch brothers want to make life better for ordinary people. The Koch brothers, by the way, have given tens and hundreds of millions of dollars to various charitable endeavors around the United States having nothing whatsoever to do with politics. But Bernie Sanders thinks that because he disagrees with them and they disagree with him, that they're evil and they want to hurt people, and that's what they want to do. And then we wonder why it is that the politics of America is so polarized. People blame the extreme right. The extreme right. The extreme right that's now caved on pretty much every issue it's possible to cave on because government's been growing consistently my entire lifetime and for 50 years before that. But they never look to the left, the hating left, the hateful left, the kind of left that thinks that Bernie Sanders is a decent fellow, but that the Koch brothers are awful, the kind of left that thinks that children need to be exposed to females, small girls need to be exposed to male genitalia, but that is perfectly fine for young girls and boys to curse out political opponents. This is the, the sort of sick society we're creating. And it's a society that's being created by the left and exploited by the left to polarize and to destroy any possibility of a common language. We don't all want the same thing in America. We don't. One side would like for a country where we all have our own political viewpoints, where we can, where we can discuss them, where we have a common language, a shared value system, maybe even a shared concept of liberty. And the other side wants to destroy the first side. I'm Ben Shapiro. This is The Ben Shapiro Show. We'll get to more on this in just one second. First, Pure Talk believes in American values and that free should mean, you know, like free. So when you switch to Pure Talk today, you'll get a free Samsung 5G smartphone. There's no four-line requirement, no activation fee, just a free Samsung that's built to last with a rugged screen, quick charging battery, and top-tier data security. Qualifying plans start at just 35 bucks a month for unlimited talk, text, 15 gigs of data, and a mobile hotspot. Pure Talk gives you phenomenal coverage on America's most dependable 5G network. It's the same coverage you know and love, but for half the price of the other guys. The average family saves almost $1,000 a year. So I challenge you to choose a company that actually doesn't hate your guts and shares your values. Let Pure Talk's expert U.S. customer service team help you make the switch today. Go to puretalk.com slash Shapiro to claim your eligibility for your free brand new Samsung 5G smartphone and start saving on wireless today. Again, go to puretalk.com slash Shapiro to switch to my cell phone company. I've been using them for years. They're fantastic. You'll love them as well. Go to puretalk.com slash Shapiro and claim your eligibility on that free brand new Samsung 5G smartphone. Start saving. 